Hi, I'm Richard Bay, and this is Richard Bay Talk. You know, from time to time, we come up with different expressions to describe something to make it less pejorative or less offensive. For instance, um, enhanced interrogation, interrogation techniques for torture or terminate with extreme prejudice. Uh, that means you're going to murder somebody. And this week we had a new one. It was rapid unscheduled disassembly, <laughs> which meant that the SpaceX rocket blew up. But we had a rapid unscheduled disassembly as well over at Twitter, where everything seems to be falling apart with the blue checks. And the DeSantis campaign has a rapid unscheduled disassembly. The guy who was the golden boy, the guy who was the rising star, the champ, seems to be falling apart. Um, listen, it was always going to be that uh, Trump is the dominating bully and DeSantis is the sort of scheming little punk. Remember the Little Rascals where there was Butch who would always say, and I'm just the guy who can do it too. And then there was a little guy next to him called Woim. And he would say, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Trump is Butch. DeSantis is Woim. And uh, I mean, it's, it's, it, I've got to say when in 2007, which was even closer uh, to the primaries than we are now in July, Giuliani was 18 points ahead of everybody else. And uh, Giuliani's campaign just imploded as well. That was in, uh, you know, in the primary of 2008. Uh, but the news for DeSantis is, has been terrible one day after the next. The uh, Florida um, representatives um, have endorsed Trump. They've even gone to Mar-a-Lago to sit at the table just to rub it into DeSantis. Um, some billionaire donors have said, hey, we're out of here uh, because of his overtaking a pause is the way they put it. That's another way of saying uh, forget it uh, because of his stands on book banning and abortion. I mean, he's 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 gone so far. Well, here, the Wall Street Journal started this onslaught, and uh, here is a picture of, of their latest poll. Okay, you can see Trump is at 48%, Ron DeSantis at 24, Nikki Haley 5, Tim Scott 3, <laughs> this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy has 2%. He's a guy, a contributor to the Wall Street Journal. And then the NBC News poll came out today and said uh, it's even a little bit, well, it, it, it's it's not worse. It's head to head, I guess. Trump is at 46%. DeSantis at 31%. That's a 15-point spread. And um, everybody's starting to almost make fun of his obsession with Disney. I mean, it sounds like he's a kid who is trying to get vengeance. Um, to me, he's like Captain Queeg, you know, who took the strawberries? They were my strawberries. Who took my strawberries? He had the ball bearings. 
How could Disney defy me? How could they criticize my don't say gay bill? I'll get them. We're going to build a penitentiary right next to Disney. We're going to put in toll roads to Disney. We're going to raise taxes on Disney. We're going to send inspectors to take apart the monorail. <laughs> Who stole my strawberries? I mean, and... In profiles recently of DeSantis, I think they got it right. This is a guy who is prickly with a very thin skin. Um, one of his compatriots, a Republican, when he was in the uh, when he was in the House of Representatives, said, uh, "This guy is an asshole." Uh, a person who used to work for him said. Uh, Trump wants to keep his foot on his throat. And that's sort of what Trump is doing here. Um, anyway, uh, there's another problem with this. I mean, at least you got to say, at least he's not throwing Disney executives out of windows <laughs> like they do in a real dictatorial state like Putin's. Um, so he did win, and that's a fact. And he won by 19% of the vote. But one thing that people don't realize is that um, registered Republicans ran out to the polls. 64% of registered Republicans voted in that gubernatorial election. And only 49% of registered Democrats went out. They just weren't inspired to vote by Charlie Crist. Even though his last name... Some people probably thought, oh, his name is Christ, and DeSantis has only been appointed by God. <laughs> Remember that old commercial? On the eighth day, God created Ron DeSantis to fight for the people and for Jesus. All right, and they had one debate, and I think, I mean, all through it, I, I and I've been saying this for quite a while, that Ron DeSantis, when you actually see him, uh, he's not very impressive. I mean, he's he's got a judiciary that's seven Supreme Court members, all appointed by Republicans, four of them by DeSantis. He's got a legislature that has a supermajority because, to some degree, um, he brought in Republican operators, operators and in defiance of the state constitution, created a gerrymandered map that overwhelmingly favored Republicans. Um, but during their debate, you could see him with Charlie Crisp, who's sort of like, he always looked so sad. And he was a former Republican. So it's not surprising that Democrats were not invigorated to go out and vote for him, and less than half of them did, while uh, two-thirds of Republicans went to the polls in that election. But during the debate, which was hosted by Sinclair Television, you know, they're the sort of right-wing uh, station group. They own a whole bunch of stations. They hired Boris Epstein, who had worked for Trump and... <laughs> This week, he's been called in by the special prosecutor because he was part of that conspiracy to have phony electors um, stop the count in Congress and elect Donald Trump president. 
Um, so anyway, he was hired by the Sinclair Television Group as their senior political correspondent. Oh, really? Like, that's their senior political correspondent. And he would create every week uh, two to three minute little inserts that every station had to carry, whether they liked it or not. Any station that was part of the Sinclair Group. Anyway, it was hosted by Sinclair Television. And the questions um, all seemed to be in in um, Ron DeSantis's wheelhouse. There, there was, uh, oh, transsexuals and uh, uh, CRT, critical race theory. Um, most of them were about social issues. And there was one question that never got asked by the moderator. And it might be one of the more important questions I'll tell you why in a moment, but take a look at this debate. Here's DeSantis, Charlie Chris. Instead of just the last year. And Ron, Ron, you talk about Joe Biden a lot. I understand. You think you're going to be running against him. I can see how you might get confused, but you're running for governor. You're running for governor. And I have a question for you. You're running for governor. Why don't you look in the eyes of the people of the state of Florida and say to them, if you're reelected, you will serve a full four year term as governor. Yes or no? Yes or no, Ron? Will you serve a full four-year term if you're re-elected governor of Florida? It's not a tough question. It's a fair question. He won't tell you. We did not agree on the candidates asking each other questions. Governor, it's your turn. Well, listen, I know that Charlie's interested in talking about 2024 and Joe Biden, but I just want to make things very, very clear. The only worn-out old donkey I'm looking to put out to pasture is Charlie Chris. Listen, that is not, um, of course, it's that's a pre-written response for him because he knew that question was coming, although the moderator never asked it. And it was an important question, but that was no, uh, I knew John Kennedy, sir, and you're no John Kennedy when uh, um, that, that, that retort was thrown at Dan Quayle, who compared himself somehow to Kennedy. All right, so where is... Um, Where's Ron DeSantis today? He's in Japan. And then he's flying off to Israel. And then he's flying to the um, to Britain. And where was he? I'm sure you've seen the video of it on the news. When Southern California had one of the worst deluges of rain ever in recorded history, 25 inches in Broward County, shut down the airport. Clogged- yes, Southern California, that, that would be oh, Southern, Southern California, Florida. Southern Florida. Okay. California had one too. Okay. <laughs> but their governor was actually in the state. So um, this caused a gas shortage because uh, the roads out of Port Everglades, where they bring in uh, all, the, all the gasoline, uh, were just completely flooded. They couldn't get gasoline out. And so in Florida, we had tremendous gas shortages, people waiting online for two hours. We had um, uh, stations that were closed. It was a really significant period of time with gas, gas shortages. I don't know, almost a week. This deluge happened on April 13th. And uh, a couple of days later, Marco Rubio came out with this video. 
happening right now in Miami and in Fort Lauderdale with gasoline is crazy. You can't find gasoline anywhere. Uh, this has been going on since Sunday, and they're blaming it on the floods that impacted the port. And I know that was a factor, but it's been four days. This should have been figured out by now. And they're blaming it on consumer panic. Yeah, people are panicked because they got to get to work. They got places to go. And you either can't find gas or you have to wait in line for like two hours down the street where you're probably going to run out of gas while you're waiting. So, yeah, people are panicked. And, of course, they're filling up saying don't fill up. Of course, you're going to fill up because you don't want to make, you don't know, the next time you're going to have to make a two-hour line. They keep saying it's going to get better, but it's not. They got to get this thing fixed. This is crazy. Okay. And it also gave a Jason Miller the opportunity to, to put this tweet out. He's a Trump advisor. Take a look at this. Now, where is Ron DeSantis? I mean, where is he? You know where he was? He was in Washington and then he was in Iowa. He was flying around the country on the taxpayer dime, I should say, campaigning. Although he hasn't officially announced yet, but he does have commercials out there. His latest commercials is touting the fact that he is the grandson of a... Um, of a steel worker. And it says steel isn't made in a day, but I, from what I've heard, and I know very little about this steel is actually made in a day, <laughs> but he's touting his grandfather in, in the Midwest. Uh, I guess, you know, to try to convince Midwesterners that, yeah, he's just like them, a working class Joe. Um, but the uh, Trump campaign is suing because he's using state resources to actually go out and campaign for president. This is a joke. He is campaigning. He has a, a political ads airing. And yet the taxpayers of Florida are paying for all of it. I, I guess we're paying for this flight to Japan and Israel and his world tour somehow. I wonder if he's going to tell the prime minister of Japan, oh, um, Taiwan and, and red China. It's just a, it's just a territorial dispute, which was the first faux pas he made when he talked about Ukraine and he, and, and the Republican establishment came down on his head. All right. So, um, while, we experienced gas shortages and people were abandoning their cars and a flood of rain racing down their streets, closing the airport. Uh, I'll bet uh, DeSantis was out looking for a man in a dress. Where are the drag queens? Is somebody reading a book that has sexy scenes in it? Oh, I, I better grab that book away. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you got to cut them a break. It's not easy to separate the woke gas from the unwoke gas. And perhaps this this torrent of rain that flooded Florida was the result of George Soros and his Jewish space lasers. That, And he can't do much about that. But, you know, the Democrats never get cut a break. There are 25 judges awaiting some sort of confirmation in Congress. And since the Democrats control the Judiciary Committee, they could pass them to Congress where they have a, uh, at least a one-seat majority and they can get these judges um, um, onto the bench. So there's about 25 of them. But we're missing one senator. 
We're missing Diane Feinstein, who's going to be 90 years old in two months. And she has shingles. We need her in Congress now. But shingles doesn't care. You know, Ted Kennedy, when he had brain cancer, he walked into the Senate twice when there were important bills as he was as his brain cancer was metastasizing so that his vote was needed to pass those bills diane feinstein we need these 25 judges to be confirmed come in one day you could just say damn it screw everybody i'm dying from shingles shingles doesn't care we need those 25 votes so either resign or come in and everybody, I mean, Nancy Pelosi, even, they're making a big deal. Oh, people are attacking her because she's a woman and it's ageism. No, we need these 25 judges to get confirmed. But Shingles doesn't care. All right. Another thing that happened in Florida was I'm sleeping and at four or five in the morning. All of a sudden I'm hearing, So I wake up and then it stops and I went, oh, that must be some kind of Amber Alert or something. So I get back to sleep. And 10 minutes later, I hear, so I get up. I said, all right, I'm thinking in my drowsy state, oh, maybe, maybe there's a tornado hitting my way and I should check the phone. So I get up and I go and check the phone and it's just one of those emergency alerts there it is what is it emergency alert 4:48 in the morning this is a test of the emergency alert alert system no I, thank you 4:48 in the morning so if all of florida got this so i would say that ron DeSantis is wrong florida is woke it's woke at 4:48 in the morning so I, I hope they've fixed that. And if you, you know, if, if, if you leave your phone out, it's really incredible to be uh, awoke, uh, to have yourself awake by that sort of startling noise and wondering what it is. Um, now, one of the big controversies is that understanding history is somehow woke. Understanding the facts of American history is a woke conspiracy. So they're taking out books by Ruby Bridges, who was the the first child to integrate an elementary school in the South, or um, Roberto Clemente. His book is back on the shelves. It was yanked off because he talked about um, the racism he faced. And the little ears of the little kids can't stand that. So, and then one bookmaker a book uh, publisher, not a bookmaker, a book publisher, had to come up with three different versions of 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 what happened when um, in Memphis, when a black woman sat on a bus and refused to give up her seat for a white person. Now that is that is crazy. Now listen, the sixteen nineteen project. There are some things in it that aren't, I guess, that are up to historical dispute. 
and it places the beginning of the United States with the landing of the first slaves in 1690. And uh, yes, I don't believe that the Revolutionary War was fought in total to preserve slavery, but there was probably an element of that with those aristocrats who were slave owners in the Southern states. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're trying now to avoid having children understand the actual factual history of, um, of what went on in the United States. And this is where it's leading us. There is a, a fellow running for Senator against Sherrod Brown in uh, Ohio. His name is Bernie Marino. Okay, take a look at this at his rally. This group of people that took on the largest empire in history and said, no, we will not stand for this and won. That same group of people later, white people died to free black people. It's never happened in human history before, but it happened here in America. Let's not talk about the schools very much, is it? They make it sound like America is a racist, broken country. You name a country that did that, that freed slaves, died to do that. You know, they talk about reparations. What are the reparations for the people from the North who died to save the lives black people. And I know it's not politically correct to say that, but you know what? we got to stop being politically correct. we got to call it like it is. Well, this guy should change his name to Bernie Morano because he's a moron. And that's an example of someone who doesn't understand history. Yes, the South did secede. Uh, because of uh, slavery. That was the primary reason the Southern states uh, left the Union. But Abraham Lincoln had said, if I could preserve the Union without freeing one slave, I would do that. What was most important and what the Union Army was fighting for was the preservation of the Union. They didn't go out there and say, we got to save the black slaves. No, that's not what they fought for. And as far as reparations go, we should give reparations to those descendants of the Union Army for fighting to preserve the Union. Well, maybe. So what are we going to do? Should we have an extra tax on those descendants of the Confederacy? because of what they did to pay. But, you know, we actually did have reparations in this country. In 1862, uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, did sign, a, what was it, an executive order or a law? But he, he, did, he did endorse, and, they, and it went through in practice. They abolished slavery in Washington, D.C., but they gave reparations to the slaveholders. The slaves got nothing. But the slaves holders, oh, let me see where that is. Uh, the slaveholders received $300 per slave, which is, uh, well, which is quite a bit more money in, in, our, in our time. I know I went to Charleston uh, and I thought, well, you know, it, it, it is a beautiful city. I wanted to see the antebellum mansions. I wanted to see... Um, 
you know, the Fort Sumter where the Civil War began, and that was a great tour. And I had looked online first, and I found this one guy who had a Civil War tour, and I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting. So I showed up for it, and it was a crusty older man, and he, there was me, and there were two guys who were descendants of uh, the of members of the Confederacy. So the guy on the tour says, "Listen, do you want the uh, do you want the uh, tour with slavery or without?" And I said, uh, "Of course, it's it's got to include. How can you have a Civil War tour without slavery?" Well, I know. Some of you Northerners, you know, it's very difficult for you to hear the truths about slavery. And I said, no, I want, I want to, you know, I want slavery to be included in all of this. So we went on this tour and most of all, he called, you know, there's slaves in Charleston. That A lot of them were, they weren't slaves. They were free. And we had a slave revolt. So if you look around, you'll see every person in Charleston needed to have a gun and they needed to have uh, spikes on their fences because the slaves would come and kill the women and children. And we had to live in fear during those days of slavery. And then we went to the slave market and he said, all right, if you, if you want to survive in the South, you've got to buy a slave. So if you buy a blacksmith, it's $100. If you buy just an ordinary field worker, it's $50. If you're getting a cook for your house as a slave, it's $125. Now, Mr. Bay, which slaves do you want to buy? And I said, I don't want to buy any slaves. I don't think a human being should own another human being. And then he yelled at me. He went, yeah, well... Then you're going to go out of business and you're not going to survive. You're going to starve to death in uh, in Charleston if you don't buy any slaves. I mean, this was an incredible day. And at the very end, he shouted at the, you know, at us as the tour ended. And if Lincoln had just let us leave, left us alone, we wouldn't have had all those deaths all these years. So, I mean, you know, when I think back on my high school, I don't remember hearing anything about slavery when I was in, in American history in high school. And the thing that I remember most about the era is some cartoon of a carpetbagger, of this sort of grotesque, ridiculous man with a bag that was made out of a carpet who was coming to ravage the poor South a northerner who was coming down to take advantage of the fact that the North had won the Civil War. That's what I remember. So anyway, this came up in the debate as well, um, the teaching of history. And this is Ron DeSantis and Charlie Crist and what they had to say. Florida, it is now against the law to give lessons which might cause a student, quote, psychological distress because of actions in which the person played no part committed in the past by other members of the same race, color, national origin, or sex. What do you believe is the best way to address issues of race in our history and in modern life in the public school setting? Governor? 
Uh, I think we should have a uh, history like Abraham Lincoln believed in our founding, uh, like Frederick Douglass. These are great eternal principles. We've got a great constitution, and people have used those principles to make great progress uh, over the course of our country's history. I'm proud of our history. I don't want to teach kids to hate our country. I don't want to teach kids to hate each other. And the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. Thank you. You know, he talks about not, not teaching about the history of our country that might offend some people in our schools. We ought to teach facts in our schools. We ought to teach the truth in our schools. There's an old expression, Ron. Those who don't know history may be condemned to repeat it. Usually people use that in reference to the Holocaust. It could just as easily be referenced to slavery in our country. It happened. It's a fact. We shouldn't have a whitewash approach to educating our children. That's not right. How are they going to do well in life if they don't even know our own history? And we're not going to teach people to hate each other in our schools. I don't know where you get that idea. I don't have hate in my heart. And I don't think we need to be doing that in our schools. Why you think that's happening right now is beyond me. We need to get back on track. We need to apply common sense. We need to do what's right. And you're taking away from all these other issues because you don't want to talk about taking away a woman's right to choose. You don't ever want to talk about it. And that's well, of course you didn't want to talk about it because, uh, because at the time there was a 15-week abortion ban and he was planning to actually ban abortions completely, which is what a six-week ban is. So, you know, there was, um, as we're talking about history here, uh, I worked at WWRL. That was my last real contracted radio job. And it was pretty much an all-black station. Um, the producer of the show was was white. But my co-host on the station and all the sales, sales staff, the program director, everybody was black. And it, most of the callers were black. And my co-host was probably the best. Not probably. He was the best co-host I ever had. His name was Mark Riley. And he actually was the person who, who taught me about the Tulsa racial massacre and the Rosewood, Rosewood racial massacre here in Florida, which occurred a, f a few years after Tulsa. And, you know, if you remember in Georgia, they hung Leo Frank. There's a, a, a Broadway musical about it now called parade. Uh, he was lynched, even though he had been pardoned by the government or by the governor and exonerated. Um, so if, if we don't understand where we came from, we're not going to understand where we're going. And when I was on WWRL, I played this song. Uh, Trent Lott was the Republican majority leader in the Senate. And it was uh, it was the 100th birthday of Strom Thurmond, who ran for president on the ticket of segregating blacks. It was a racist ticket, and he won four states, and he won electoral votes on this ticket. It was 1948. But remember, George Wallace came later, much later. George Wallace was running in 72. And I remember as a kid being in Jordan Marsh on Lincoln Road in Miami Beach and seeing the black water, uh, colored water fountains, white water fountains, white bathrooms and colored bathrooms. It wasn't that long ago. So in the South, 
when Strom Thurmond ran, Trent Lott said, if we had all voted across America for Strom Thurmond, we wouldn't have all the troubles that we've had over these years. Uh, but here's a little, I, so I started thinking, oh yeah, what if Strom Thurmond had won? Hmm. And I did this as a satire. And yet, I don't know, you tell me when it's over if you think it's offensive. Take a look at this. Troops in the army to force their southern people to break down segregation and admit the Negro race into our theaters, into our swimming pools, into our homes, and into our churches. Think about this country with a Dixiecrat president. No Jesse Jackson and a poll tax on all the blacks in Dixie. We get an all-white NBA and Al Sharpton goes away. A President Strom would have been just so dandy. Why, we would still be watching Amos and Andy. What a lovely country if a Dixiecrat ruled the land. All white schools, white swimming pools, Rosa Parks would have to stand. Reverend King said he's gonna climb that mountain, but he'd be sipping at the colored fountain if we'd all voted like Mississippi for a Dixiecrat president. How much greater would be our great nation if we'd applied the laws of miscegenation Ted Danson wouldn't have been making whoopee. Michael Jackson wouldn't have had a whole lot of love with Lisa Marie and Halle Berry. Well, Halle Berry wouldn't have even been here. There would be no Oprah with a Dixiecrat president. No Cosby Show, no J-Lo, and Colin Powell would have to go. Vanilla Ice would be a world-class rapper. Jerry Cooney's boxing career wouldn't have gone in the crapper. What a great country this would be if we had a Dixiecrat president. When Strom Thurmond ran for president, we voted for him. We're proud of it. And if the rest of the country had followed our lead, we wouldn't have had all these problems over all these years. If the rest of the country had followed our lead. All right. So after I played that, you know, uh, I looked over at Mark Riley and he looked very sad. Albert, do you think that's a, f I mean, I'm, I was, it was a satire. Do you think that's uh, thoughtless or, or offensive? Well, I'm not surprised that somebody could be offended by anything. That comes across yeah. these days. I mean, I, for years I've thought about it because I respect Mark so much, and I, I never really asked him. I wonder if it's like people being offended if you made a song 
I don't know about the Holocaust or people being offended by Hogan's heroes. Sure, sure they'd be offended. With the sure Nazi, they'd be uh, offended. All right. There's well, always going to be somebody it. that's offended by something. All right. Well, how about this? Nobody will be offended by I can't believe it's not butter. This was my inflation gauge. And it started at 375 before inflation. And then it went to 555. But this week, can we see that picture? It's two for one. Let me ask you something. If you can sell two of them for $275 a piece, why can't you sell one of them for $375? Is there an answer for that, Albert? I don't know. I would think it's uh, because they want you to get in to buy it at that higher price. If they get you this week, they know you'll be back next week. I've got six of them. Six. This stuff, it's all chemicals. It never goes bad. You put it on your popcorn in the theater. Listen, I want to say this too. Uh, last June, that wasn't even a year ago. Inflation was 9.1%. Uh, it's now 5%. Thank you, Joe Biden. Why? Why aren't we? Listen, that's a, a tremendous drop. It's still. And Joe Biden got blamed for inflation in the first place. That happened almost all over the world. We had lower inflation than the, the European Union, uh, than the United Kingdom, which still has some big problems. It's now 5%. And people are saying it's on its way down. So thank you, Joe Biden. And thank you for watching this podcast. I know we went a little long today, but uh, I hope it was worth it for you. And all my best. Take care.